Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Cure for Worry. The Cure for Worry, Matthew 6, 32 is what we'll get to. Now, if you missed the last couple weeks, this is the third part of our of our anxiety or worry sermon. And I'm like, why did Jesus take so much time on worry and anxiety? Why do you think he took so much time on that? Because <laughs> he knew he would worry. Yeah, exactly. So, so get the DVDs, get the tapes, listen to the podcast. It's the third one. But we start off with Matthew 6.25. Remember that? Matthew 6.25, don't worry, be happy. Right? But a lot deeper than the, the fluffy happiness. We talk about that internal joy that isn't dependent on external circumstances. It comes from a close relationship with Christ. And we talked about how worry is actually sin because we're told not to do it. It actually shows a lack of faith that we're not trusting God our Father. Remember the formula that we had? Uh, do you have that formula up there, Josh? The formula that I gave you was, and I've been using this a lot, do your best for God, pray that it would be blessed by God, whatever he wants to happen, right? And then we rest and let God. And that I've been using that a lot. Not enough, but a lot. And it's really been helping me. And that's, that comes right from that passage there, so... Uh, that's, a, that's a good one to hang on to and cling to and write down. Then we went from that to Matthew 6, 26 to 31, which was worry-proofing, worry-proofing. And Jesus gives very, two very practical proofs on why we should not worry. What were the two proofs? What were they? What? Two proofs. Two visible evidences. Two birds and flowers. Right, birds and flowers. Right, birds and flowers. And every time, I encourage you, every time you see that bird, every time you see a flower, to remind us that God is in control and he's going to meet our needs. That's a constant reminder. Now, today Jesus gives a cure for worry. I was hoping to do it all three verses, but it looks like this might be two or three uh, part cure to worry. It's verses 32 to 34. And there's three different cures, and we're just going to get through the first one today. But I guess some of you might still be worrying, because for some reason God keeps us working through this. So let me pray first. Father, we we all worry a lot. It's just part of the fallen nature that we have. But Lord, we know that it's not what you want us to do. You want us to trust you, and to look to you, and to rejoice in you, and to enjoy this time we have with you here on this earth as you prepare us for heaven. And Lord, just pray that each one of us, as we carry in many things to worry about, even things that maybe we shouldn't be worrying about, just pray that your spirit would speak to us through your word this morning and help us take another step toward that close relationship with you and living by faith in Jesus. We pray that in his name. Amen. Okay, let me read the, all three verses. Starting with verse 32, Matthew six thirty-two. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that reminds me of the song. Okay, so... He, the, the key for verse 32 is what all we're going to get through today. For pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. You're like, how are we going to spend a whole morning in this? Well, just wait till you see. There's a lot here. The, the key, the first 
key to curing our worry, the first cure, the first pill that we can take is focusing on our Father. Focusing on our Father. He says, Jesus says, pagans run after these things. What? Back in verse uh, 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Not worrying. The pagans run after food and clothing, which is temporary stuff. That's what they're worried about. That's what they're focused on. And, he, and Jesus calls them pagans. A pagan is anybody who is not a Jew, a Jewish, not just being Jew, Jew but Jewish, uh, following the Jewish faith, or a God-fearing Gentile. Because in the world at this time, there were Gentiles and Jews, two classifications in God's sight. But many people, because of the Jewish mission and the synagogues being all over the place, look at Acts 15, there's a synagogue in every major city of the world at this time. That's part of the good thing about being dispersed was they, they spread the message of the one true God. And as a result, not only were there Jewish believers, but they were called God-fearing Gentiles. Gentiles who would actually worship the one true God because of the witness of their Jewish friends. And that's what, that, that is one classification. But anybody who wasn't a Jew or a, a, a God-fearing Gentile was a pagan. A pagan, okay? And the pagans didn't have the revealed word of God. The Jews were given God's word. Look at Romans 4. They were given God's word. And then we were all received the word through the Jewish people. That's the revealed word of God. But the pagans are the ones without the revealed word of God. At one time... All of mankind had a knowledge of the one true God. Archaeologists, when they dig in, in the Middle East, the, the original deity that everybody followed was E-L, L, L, L. It was, that's our God, right? But over time, it, be, it became twisted, and you started to see other things added to L, Baal, and different words twisted, and they started to twist it. And Romans 1 gives a very clear picture of what happened. It explains, and we're not going to, that'll take about a year to go through, but Romans 1 explains how mankind lost the knowledge of the one true God because they didn't want, mankind did not want to submit to the one true God. That's how we lost it. They didn't want to submit to the one true God, and so they rebelled against them, and that's how they lost the knowledge of the one true God. And as a result, they went out and they started creating their own gods. You ever been to the mall with your kids and they build a bear? You know, they get to build their own bear and make it anything they want and put any outfit on it they want on it, right? Well, this is called build a god, a little g god. They went out and built their own god, and, and everybody came up with their own god to worship, and they created their, their own god, the new improved gods, right? New improved gods. They don't want the other guy who's created the universe, who who loves us, who set up parameters to protect us from hurting ourselves. And so we, we, the world created all the, these, these false gods. And the result was, and the reason was, they wanted to live any way they wanted to live. What does that sound like? USA Today? We create our own. I mean, people out there say, I believe in Jesus, but you, get, you talk to them and it's, it's a whole very different Jesus. Very, very different Jesus. Uh, but it's a Jesus that lets them live any way they want. Chuck. Chuck, uh, on the, out on the streets, you know, where is Chuck here? Oh, there, on the streets. You, people believe in God, right? But when you ask them these questions, but when you get to the end, what, what are they really believing in? It's their own God, right? They, they create their own Jesus, they create their own God. And Chuck talks about this all the time with the whole street ministry. And if you've never been out with him, you should really get out there. It's, it's a very eye-opening and, and a powerful ministry. But the the... They wanted gods that would let them live any way they want. And as a result of doing this and turning away from the one true God, they ended up worshiping their own gods. But their own gods was really the 
devil. Remember the song, Bob Dylan's song a couple weeks ago, you got to serve somebody? It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody, right? And, uh, and that is a picture of what happened. You, they decided they don't want to serve the one true God. They're going to make their own gods, but in the end, they all just find out that they're worshiping the devil. In fact, the Bible says very clearly, all throughout the Old Testament, the idols are just demons. Demons that just came in and, and, and tried to get people to worship them, deflect any worship from the one true God, and they get people to follow them. They deceive people. They do it through cults. Cults. They're, we've heard a lot about cults in the news today. Well, they're still cults. Doesn't matter if Billy Graham takes it off their website or not. It's still a cult, you know? And uh, it, it's, that's, that's, the, that's the truth, that they're following demons. They're following demons. Anybody who doesn't follow the one true God and his son Jesus Christ, and they're praying to an idol or to another God or these world religions, they're following demons. Bottom line. I know that doesn't make us popular to, to know that, but it's the truth. And the one word to describe the pagans' relationship with their gods is dread. The pagans at this time, their relationship with their God was dread. There was no loving relationship. It was, it was dread. You've ever watched the old movies, you know... The, the people in the old, remember those old B movies with the Greek gods up in heaven playing chess with the people's lives, you know, and and Jason and the Argonauts and all those all those movies. That that is how they viewed at Jesus' time how they viewed God. They they dreaded their gods. The best case scenario for a pagan and his relationship with his god, little G God, okay, his god was the best scenario would that the gods would ignore them. That's what they were hoping. They would just ignore them and neglect them and leave them alone in their misery. That was the best case scenario. The worst case scenario, but usually what they figured was the gods were just toying with them, just like the old movies. They were just playing like a chess game with their life, and they were just abusing them. And as a result, they feared these gods, and they tried to placate them somehow. And that's why you see so much human sacrifice. You say, why are people sacrificing other human beings, or, or why are they taking their children and burning them to the fire to Moloch, you know, in the Old Testament? And, and nothing changes, does it? Why are, they, why are they doing that? Because they're trying to placate these gods because they feared them, and they were just trying to do something to try to, you know, keep them happy. And, and you see, even now, the, the new movies come out, The Clash of the Titans and The Wrath of the Titans, if you have seen any of those movies. That's, that's a picture. You know how mad the, the, the hero in the story was? I can't remember his name. Who's the guy in that movie? What's that? Perseus. Perseus is so mad. He's rebelling against the, you know, the gods because, because of how they're treating human beings. Thank you. And the, that, that's a picture of how people really did view the gods. They, they didn't like them and they were afraid of them and there was no relationship. There was no hope for any kind of future life. And so they would run after, look what Jesus says, run after, pagans run after, they run after any pleasure they could get in this life. They would run after it. And the, the, Jesus uses the word run after it, which is emphatic in the Greek. It means to seek with all their might. What does that sound like today? Sounds a lot like our culture, doesn't it? The whole hopeless, even the, especially the, the, the younger generation, is hopeless. And they're just seeking for something it's desperate to fill, not just any, every age group, trying to fill this void, this, this God hole in their heart. And, and it's a hole that, that build the gods can never fill. 
can never fill that void that God has created in our soul that only God can fill. And Jesus comes along, and he says, that's what the pagans are running after. But he says, but he contrasts, he says, but your heavenly father knows what you need. Your heavenly father. This was a radical thought for the pagans. I mean, that was unthinkable. Heavenly father? That, that's totally, Perseus would have no concept of that. He hated his godfather, right? Uh, the... Even the Jews, this was a very radical concept for a Jewish person because they considered God their father in a sense, but he was a holy God. He was a transcendent, distant God. He, they re- respected him and feared him because he gave them the law, and they were trying to follow his law until the Sermon on the Mount. Remember back in verse 6 when Jesus said, Father, and he blew them all away by calling, saying, you, when you talk to God, call him Father. That, that, that was shocking. It was amazing. But then it gets even more radical. In Romans 8.15, Paul goes even further. He says, but you, received, you, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Get that part? But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That received the spirit of sonship. He's talking about adoption. If you study the whole passage, it's all about God adopting us. Through Jesus Christ. We received a spirit of sonship. We can call him Father once again, but also Abba. And, and the, the Father is the Greek, but Abba is Aramaic. Abba means Daddy, Papa, Daddy. Think of your most intimate term for your own father if you had a, that close relationship. That's what we're allowed to call God, our Father. Daddy. Daddy. How did this happen? It went from father to daddy. What happened in between Matthew 6 and Romans 8, 15? What happened? The cross. The cross happened. Jesus came and died on a cross. The Son of God died. Jesus died on that cross. The Son of God died on the cross to pay for our sin, to pay for our rebellion, to pay for everything we've ever done wrong. And he's taken away the law and nailed it to the cross. He took away Satan's accusations and nailed it to the cross, Colossians 2. He, he took away all the fear that we could ever have because of the law. He nailed it to the cross. And if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and ask God to forgive us, we are adopted by God. We become his child. And we can go to him anytime and say, Daddy, is he your father? Is he your daddy today? Is he your daddy? If he is, the best cure we can have for fear, the best cure we can have for worry, the best cure we can have for anxiety, the best cure we can have for all this stress that we're going to go through with the rest of our life, is to realize that he's our daddy, to remember that he's our daddy, that God is my father, he's my daddy, he loves me, he cares for me. That's, think about what we have, compare the pagans, compare the rest of the world. 
to what we have. And, and think about that, that God loves us so much. And it's vital that we grow in our faith, that we grow up spiritually in the word and through discipleship and through prayer, that we grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We grow in that relationship at, with him as our father and understand what we have in Christ. That's vital. So many of us stay little babies. We just want to live on that spiritual milk. We just want to get that bottle stuck in our mouth and, you know, start sucking on a bottle. We don't want to learn to eat and we don't want to learn to grow. We want to grow in that relationship. But it's vital because it's a difference between a baby and, and someone who's grown up. A baby gets really upset easy, doesn't it? You have a little baby, upset so easy, you know. They get a little hot. They get a little tired. They mess up their diaper, whatever it is. They're hungry. Right away, right, you know, they're crying, right? Because they freak out. They think their parents have ad- abandoned them, you know? You know, you know we're just like 10 feet away. They're crying and they're hungry. Where's my parents, right? Because they're just babies. Now, you take a teenager. A teenager has someone who has relationship, has deepened with his parents or her parents, has deepened, and they've learned to trust them. And when a, a, a teenager's hungry, they don't flop on their back and say, ah, baby. Yeah, well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Right? They do throw some dumper tantrums. We're not going to get into that. That's for another week. But, but what do they do? They go and open up the fridge and help themselves. Why? Because they know their parents. They know they're stocked up. They've learned to feed themselves. Middle of the, 2 o'clock in the morning, it's very often, I don't hear noise, but I smell food cooking. 2 o'clock in the morning, our teenagers are feeding themselves, you know. They, they, they're out, they're cooking. And, you know, and so but they've learned that they can depend on us for food and they don't have to worry about it. When they want something, what do they do? They ask. Oh, mom, dad, can I please? No, they demand, right? Uh, but but they, we, they, they ask. They're not afraid to ask. I need money. I need the car keys. I need this. I need it. They ask, right? Why? Because we have a re- they have a relationship. They know they can come to us, ask us for things. They trust us. They know we're going to supply their needs. You know, they, they know we're, we have to do that as they remind us. And so that, that's what happens spiritually. We have to grow in our relationship with our daddy and learn to trust them. And every time something goes wrong, we don't go, ah, you know, what's going on? What are you doing to me, God? You know what's happening? None of you there, but you might know somebody like that, right? And uh, don't, look next, don't look next to you. Don't look at anybody. But you might know somebody like that. But, but, <laughs> and you might know several people like that. Right? So the, but the thing is, that's what we do, don't we? We have to grow in our relationship with God and realize that we can just ask him. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to flip out. We can go to the fridge. We can just ask God. He's going to supply our needs. He's going to take care of things. And we can go even, uh, we, we can go to our Father anytime for anything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Great passage on this. If you're looking for a verse to memorize, a couple verses, this is good. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not, coming to God again, do not be anxious about anything. Nothing should make us anxious. How can he expect that? How can we possibly do that, that nothing can make us anxious? The answer, next verse, in everything, get that? Nothing should make us anxious, but in everything, everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we ask God. We're told to pray and ask God in every situation, everything. 
to come to him and ask him. But let's not miss the very important qualifier. It says, with what? Thanksgiving. That's the key. With thanksgiving. Let me ask you, what's with God? Is he sadistic? He wants us to thank him even when things are going bad, you know? I mean, it's it's bad enough to go through this stuff, right? But But now he wants me to thank him. Does he really want me to thank him for this? Yep. He does. He wants to think. Why? Well, first of all, when we're going through a stressful time, you might be able to remember when you were, maybe, way back when, right? You're going through a stressful time, and you feel that anxiety building up. You know what I'm talking about? The anxiety starting to build, the worry, the fear, it's starting to build up. If we can focus on thanking God at that time, an amazing transformation takes place. It's like worship. You come in here and we're all stressed out and the worship team comes up and, and works its magic. You know, they just start worshiping God and we join in and all of a sudden all the things that we're freaked out just kind of go away and we're just focusing on God, right? That's what's so awesome about the worship here. We just focus on God, it's, it, and it just goes away. And the same thing happens when we thank God. When we can focus on thanking God, an amazing transformation takes place. It goes like something like this. God, I'm, I'm really worried about those car brakes. I don't know what I'm, I'm going to pay for them. I don't know how I'm going to get the car over to the garage. I'm really, really worried about the car brakes. But, okay, wait, I've got to do the thanking thing, too. But thank you that I have a car. I don't have to walk or ride a bike, and I... Oh, thank you for um, the house that I walked out of the house into a car. And I thank you for my health that I'm able to drive the car. And thank you for a job that I have a job that I'm... You get the picture? (laughs) Okay, I'm not so upset about the car anymore. Because when we start to thank God for all the things he's doing and done and really... These things, you know, it's not... It just kind of goes away. It's a lot smaller, isn't it? It's not such a big deal when we realize how God is supplying and, and how we can be thanking him constantly. But it's even more than that. It's even more than that. First Thessalonians 5, I hit this one this week and it just really hit me. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22 says, I can't even find it. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, I have a question, theological question here. Does that mean that we're to give thanks for circumstances, all circumstances, or does that mean we are supposed to give thanks in all circumstances because that will help us change our focus? Which is it? Both! <laughs> yes! That's not fair, is it? It, it will help us. It will help us change our perspective. Like we just mentioned, thank you, God, for my car, and, and we don't worry about the brakes anymore. It does help us. It, it helps us realize that we're really freaking out over nothing, usually. Because, <laughs> really, what do we freak out over, usually? I know. What's that? Small things, right? We, usually, we freak out over very small things. But it all, there's more to it. It'll help us with that perspective. But also, when we... Also, thanking God... When we thank God for the circumstances too, not just in them, but for the circumstances, we're thanking him because we know God is allowing us to go through this for his purpose. It's his will. It's his... For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whatever we are going through, we know that it's God's will. He's trying to do something in and through our lives. 
And if we're able to understand that and keep that perspective, like you're an athlete and the coach is putting you through a lot of pain, and you're mad at the coach, or you're, as long as you can have a perspective, he's putting me through this pain so I can win that gold medal in the Olympics. It helps the perspective. God's trying to accomplish something, and that's why we can give him thanks. And, and, and that he's accomplishing something even when it's painful, even when it's not fun. He's still accomplishing something. That's why back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'm going to read that one again. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 when he says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can have, that's why, we can have peace no matter what we're going through. We've changed our perspective by giving thanks. We realize that God has a purpose for what we're going through. He's accomplishing something through this trial that he's allowing us to go through. And, and that's why we can have peace no matter what we're going through. And I want to encourage you to make up... You do the math on this one. I, I came up with that saying on the other one. Do your best. Pray that it's blessed. Then rest. Come up with something. Uh, uh, some kind of formula here. Something like... Prayerful requests plus giving thanks equals unbelievable peace. Come up with your own way of remembering this. And put it on a 3 by 5 or a sticker or something. And just keep that on the mirror, on the fridge, in the car, at work. Keep it somewhere that you're going to see it all the time. And just keep reminding. We just need this daily reminder. that Wait, 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 wait. Before I freak out, I could pray and take this to God and I can give him thanks and, and I know it's going to equal unbelievable peace. It's a peace that transcends understanding. It, it, it's, it's beyond comprehension God says. He'll, he'll give us a peace that makes no sense to our neighbors, our family, ourselves, anybody. He'll give us so much peace. It, it, it transcends understanding. I can't even explain it. But I've experienced it. And I know you guys have experienced it too. It's something that doesn't make any sense. It's peace when our kids are rebelling and they're jumping off cliffs on us. It's peace when, when we have cancer and we're struggling through cancer. It's a peace that we lose a loved one and we still have somehow have peace. If we lose our job. We lose our business. We lose everything. Anything. We still somehow, as Christians, have a peace that the world cannot understand it's a peace that transcends all all understanding do you have that peace today are you anxious about something today does something making you anxious as christians maybe you're here and you're christian and you're struggling with this remember that god is our father he's our daddy and we can go with him our needs and thank him for what he's done doing will do any time and get that peace. I want to encourage you, come up with that formula. Prayerful requests plus make up make it your own. But I'm just prayerful requests plus thanking God equals unbelievable peace. Something like that that will help you to remember. And and uh, and use it. Take this promise this week and every time you feel anxious about whatever you're going through, take it and pray and thank God and claim that peace. Claim that promise. And if you can do this for a week, if we can do this for a week and really make it a habit in our life, 
it, I know it will transform us. I know this, this verse is, has helped me so much. I never worry anymore. I'm joking. Uh, I got to battle through. We all do. We got to battle through it every day, right? But we battle through it with the promises from God. We take these promises. We battle through it. We pray through it. We take our walks early in the morning. You know, we, we do it in the car ride. We do it in the shower. Wherever we can get alone and pray, we pray and we battle through it. And we, we claim these promises, these verses. Maybe here, Tane, you can't go to God yet because he's not your father. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and been adopted, but you can be because he wants to be your daddy. He loved us so much that he gave his one and only son so that we could be adopted. We could be adopted. How? We looked at Romans 8.15 and Romans 10.9 and 10. It says this. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Let's pray. Maybe here today and you're not sure of your relationship with God. You're living a life of dread. Because I know what life, we all live that life before Jesus Christ. It's a life of dread. There's no peace. But you don't have to walk out of here that way because you could walk out with your adoption papers in your hand. You can walk out of here a child of the one true, only God by putting your faith in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And it just takes a prayer from your heart straight to God. Say, God, I, I want to be your child. I want you to be my daddy. And I believe Jesus Christ is your only son who died on the cross for me, for my sin, for all the wrong I've ever done. I believe he died for me. I repent of that sin. I ask you to forgive my sin. Every sin I've ever done or ever will do, I ask you to forgive me now because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I trust my hope in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer to God, something amazing has just happened to you. God's spirit is actually living in you. And you can now talk to God at any time through his spirit and through his son Jesus. You can talk to him any time and you can call him daddy and he loves you and he's going to do some amazing things in your life he's going to transform you he's going to transform us and do some amazing things in our life and I just want to encourage you to let me know fill out a card there in the bulletin or tell me on the way out or send me an email or call or or if you have another good friend here, tell them, let them know. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and, and help you in your new relationship with God. Help you to grow in that relationship.
for the rest of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us? Maybe we realize we're little babies still, freaking out every time we're a little bit hungry or a little bit nervous. We just freak out. And we need to start to take hold of the word of God and to feed on it and grow in our faith and cling to the promises and grow up. Maybe it's taking this, this verse, the promise of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, coming up with a, a promise formula that we can just remember to spark us to, to go to God and to, to pray and, and bring our requests to him and to thank him and, and then to, to, to let his peace just flood our hearts and minds and souls. Father, I pray that as we face stress in our lives, that we would just be able to trust you and to depend on you and to to grow close to you. And Lord, if everyone here would know your special love, the love of our, our heavenly daddy who loves us so much, that you love us so much, that that would just transform us and spill out and touch other people. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.